Hi, and welcome to the Odin's Light podcast. This is the first episode of Series 2, and I'm joined with Craig Hind, who was the other producer on Hosts. We talk about the making of the film, what was good about it, some of the difficulties, and why the audience should go and watch this fantastic independent British horror, which is out tomorrow in the UK on iTunes, Amazon, and Sky Store. Welcome to the Odin's Light podcast. I'm here with Craig Hyde, who was the other producer on Hosts. Hi, Craig. Hello. How's your lockdown going? Yeah, all right. Same as everybody else's. Just waiting for these restrictions to be lifted um, so we can get out and do some work, man. I don't like sitting around, sitting around not doing anything, especially when, you know, I've sort of run out of pre-production and development work to do and just waiting to get out and shoot stuff now. Um, yeah. 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 But... We don't want to. I said to I said to my colleagues right at the start of this whole thing. I know lots of people were out last year and making their lockdown films, and I've seen a lot of a lot of productions going ahead. Obviously, like the big guys, like the, the you know the TV studios and the film studios, have put all of their health and safety um, all of their health and safety regulations in place, and they're carrying on. But the problem that we have in the independent film industry is that obviously a lot of what we do relies on you know um, our locations and and places that we can't always follow the rules and regulations like the the, mm. the covid health and safety guidelines can't aren't suitable for for example we we're supposed to have shot a film last year that that we're waiting to shoot that involves a week filming in a hospital so obviously we can't yeah. go we can't get access to the hospital regardless of whether the government guidelines say film production can continue that doesn't matter to us because we can't actually get into our location so and i said to my colleagues right like last year I said it would be massively irresponsible of us to go out and start spending our investors' money without a guarantee that we can actually finish a project, you know? Mm -hmm. So the, the safest thing to do is wait, um, yeah, sit on our thumbs, and hopefully it all blows over. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, talk about the budget, going out and spending. I, the COVID compliance adds a lot to the budget. And, um, yeah most independent films more indie films i don't think that they can budget that in no. so yeah i mean we were lucky with hosts to have finished shooting and most of the editing just before lockdown started yeah. um and that's really helped us um and i feel for those indies that are stuck like you say they can't finish filming because of the restrictions and they've got these projects in limbo but we're lucky um that we did get out we did get uh, distribution uh, we did, did get yeah. into the online festivals and um, I think it's all luckily worked out pretty well. I do feel that that obviously the, the, the situation, the COVID situation has helped the independent film industry a lot. Um, certainly last year when nobody really knew how it was going to play out and they just shut everything down. Everybody just stopped, you know, it, and it was like this snowball, this domino effect um that, that i seem to remember starting with with um no time to die Kurt, like barbara broccoli and and those guys came out and said no we're, we're going to delay the release of this this bond film because we're not sure what's going to happen people are like, oh that's crazy that's crazy you don't need to do that and then slowly over the next few weeks more and more big releases did the same thing and then we started getting the news actually it's not about 
releasing films, we're actually going to shut down productions. We're not going to shoot any of this stuff um, until until we know what's going on. So all of last year, and we're still seeing a little bit of it now, is the slow release of, of the big studio films kind of led to a big opening in the market that we were just in the right time to kind of capitalize on when yep. a lot of distributors were were struggling because they were trying to keep their businesses going and they're looking to acquire properties and there was this huge gap opened up for the independent film like industry in the sense that we could kind of get in where all of the, the the big studios were saying actually no 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 and we're coming in like well we've we've got property we've got content for you uh, and bad to take from last year definitely but we were lucky man we what was it january january last year we went out and shot yeah it was at yeah. this time last year it was almost exactly almost exactly a year ago to the day that we were out yeah, shooting I think at night in the woods yeah yeah um, that was so that was the last day's shooting and then we got the bulk of the editing done just before lockdown so we had yeah. yourself and richard adam were mainly um, yeah. going backwards and two and then when lockdown did kick in we had most of the edit done and then uh, rich was yeah. doing the sfx which he could do from home so it, it was lucky um that we were in a position where it didn't really slow us down yeah. And then, like you say, we had, you know, I think we, I think doors opened up that, that, that might not have otherwise um, because, you know, that there was the demand for the content and when we had, we had product. Yeah, I think there was. And I know, I know a lot of other, um, I know a lot of other indie filmmakers last year were able, were, do, were lucky enough to be able to capitalize on the sort of the hole in the market. And I'm not, I'm not saying that to sort of, you know, put independent film down and say we wouldn't be good enough otherwise because I, I, I believe our films are good enough. But it's getting that, and I hope it, it has a lasting effect where some of these these distribution uh, distribution companies and sales agents had a chance to explore more of the independent film market last year. And I hope that does have a lasting effect. And I, and I hope that, you know, that moving forward, that the industry isn't so bottlenecked with you know thousands and thousands of films going unnoticed every year um simply because you know sales agents just just want to pick up the stuff that's an easy sell because it's got an a-list celebrity in it or you know mm-hmm. we've seen i think I'm, I'm hoping that things are starting to change slightly you know we've seen over the last 10 years that just having an a-list celebrity in your film doesn't necessarily mean it's a good film you know um and i'm hoping that that the industry is going to change and I know with things moving more to streaming now, there's less of a bottleneck because there's more platforms to, to get this content delivered to people. Yeah. Um, hopefully, like I say, you know, the independent film industry is going to open up now. Hopefully. I certainly hope so. Uh, hope, I hope you're right. What, in regards to hosts, you know, we, we don't have the A-list cast, although we have great cast and the great performances. Um, you know, Neil Ward, um, Samantha, Loxley. Uh, Nadia Mean, Frank Jakeman, Lee Hunter, Jennifer Preston, Buddy Skelton, yeah. um, and even the uh, the small part by um, Sandra Howard. You know, fantastic performances. To be fair, um, and what do you think sets hosts apart from other indie films? Maybe even with a name in it, because I, I I know what I think about it, but I want to I want to hear what you say first. It's difficult. I think. 
I think hosts is. I think host stands on its own because of, because of the. I think, I think what Rich and Adam went into hosts with is a very strong opinion of what horror films should and shouldn't be, and their opinion isn't necessarily the popular opinion. Most people think of horror films as being films that make you jump and make you feel scared. And I, I'm with Rich and Adam on this. That's not real horror. That's not, to me, that, that's just, you know, that's just playing on, you know, a, a, an, inst an instinct that all human beings have, that if you feel you're in danger, your body makes you jump and gives you a big shot of adrenaline because it gives you that fight or flight. To me, that's not necessarily entertainment and it's a very cheap trick. You know, mm. it's like filmmakers, as filmmakers, I think we do this a lot. And, and there are lots of times when you can, you can cop out of a situation in your story if you want the audience to. And as a wedding videographer for many years, I do this a lot simply putting some nice images on the screen and having a really um, sort of, you know, uh, deep and meaningful song playing underneath it can often make people feel emotional. They don't know why, they just do, you know, and, and it's very, very easy to do. There's no real story behind it, but you're just making people feel a certain way. And I feel horror films do a similar thing. A lot of horror films do a similar thing where they just want people to jump. They just want people to get that adrenaline shot, get to the end of the film and go, oh, that was a ride. You know, and they're never really questioning what they've just watched or or what was the story there. Um, I remember going to see the 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 remake of Pet Cemetery at, at, in Leicester, at the Red the Leicester Square red carpet premiere, and I loved the original because it's a classic. But watching the remake, it was almost to the second every six or seven minutes. There's a jump scare, right? And you're like, this isn't this isn't really horror not because it's not scary but stuff like that doesn't really i don't really jump easily so some of that stuff doesn't isn't really getting to me and i'm just looking at the story and thinking it's not all here like there's not there's 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 huge flaws in this storytelling and when richard and adam talked about hosts and wanting to do hosts they had a, a an absolute passion for for making a real horror story and deliberately leaving out the jump scares and 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 almost not an experiment but wanting to make a horror film that that really was horrific you know that really was dragging the the viewer in forcing you to empathize with the characters you know subconsciously putting yourself in their situation and then feeling scared about the situations they were in, as opposed to just making you jump by, you know, like all of a sudden the car drives past and you're like, oh, you know, that's that's not horror, is it? Let's be honest, that's not horror at all. Um, so I think that's why Host stands alone. I think a lot of independent filmmakers, don't get me wrong, there are some good films out there um, that, that, that use jump scares and things like that, but not many. And Host stands apart from all of those because it doesn't use those conventional methods to scare people. You know, when you watch through hosts or when I do, you, you buy into the characters and the storyline and you start to think, what if this was my family? What if that was mm -hmm. me? What would I do in this situation? 
like could i have done could i have done something different you know and you start to you start to feel horrified about what's happening as opposed to just being scared and i think that's the difference Mm, I think that's mm-hmm. the difference and I think it's a big one I think it's a big one yeah I, I, I agree I think what they did is they focused on the story over spectacle um, which isn't often done enough and this isn't just an independent film thing I, you, you see that uh, the big budget the Hollywood films do the same often where it becomes about the excitement and the jump scares as part of that where it's all spectacle but if you remove that, you're left with something that's quite empty. And I think that what Adam Rich did, which was, which was clever for the budget, is had a story where if you remove the horror, and there is horror and there is scary parts, you know, shocking parts, um, that you still would have a really engaging drama, family drama, that would still resonate with you. And I think that that was the clever thing that they did. Um, and and cements them as storytellers, not just yeah. spectacle generators. I don't, I don't personally have an issue with a jump scare as long as it's rooted in story. It's just a jump scare for, for, the, for the sake of, like you say, just shocking the audience yeah. is empty. Um, but, and, and not that they use jump scares in this, I'm just saying that, that it has been used effectively uh, in the past in other films, but, it's that it's that adherence to story first and then spectacle second um and the spectacle certainly is in hosts i mean the work of kate griffiths and the sfx work in the the the, uh dining room scene and um maybe we'll do a spoiler cast on the actual making of um late another time but because it's out tomorrow um you know we should uh i'm not going to spoil it but yeah the the fact that the camera lingers on a shot where you expect yeah. it to cut and it doesn't, that is horrific, especially with how much that character has been built just prior. You're, you're, yeah. you're, she's, she's, you know, you're, you're led to emote with this family yeah. and then something horrific happens and it doesn't cut away. Um, that is, that's true horror. I agree. <clears throat> I agree. The not cutting away from the, the the violence and things like that again is something that you want to do as a film, often want to do as a filmmaker and as a storyteller, but you can't because you you it never you always worry that it's not going to look real enough. And I there's um, the film because I, I I remember bringing this up a number of times in pre-production and certainly when we spoke to Kate um, was uh, Brawl in Cell Block, nine, is it Brawl in Cell Block 99? With Vince with, Vaughn. Um, yeah. And uh, like I, I watched that years ago and it's terrible, man. Like the special effects, like the violence and the gore in that, like at one point you can, you, I mean, you can see that they're, they're mannequins. At one point you can almost see that they've put this really sort of bad ceramic head in, in one of the scenes to, to, to shatter it. And you're like, this isn't, this isn't good. <laughs> like This is really right. bad. And um, again, filmmakers that didn't want to cut away, like wanted to show you that violence. And obviously the concern was going into host was like, we've, we've got such a small budget. Like that was obviously a lot more money than what we've got. And that's as, as good as they could get. We were like, so I said to the guys, I was like, like we're going to struggle here like we've we've got to find the right person and then when we came across Kate 
who Neil had mentioned um, from Invasion of the Not Quite Dead. Uh, I'm not sure. I have I think, I'm sure. Actually. I'm sure Neil and Frank know Kate from from Invasion, right. and uh, and said, "Oh, you need to speak to this woman." And then we spoke to her, and, and all the way through, I remember all the way through pre-production, like Rich was really nervous about it. it was like we oh, we got to test this stuff. We've got to see what it looks like. See what it looks like. And there was always the contingency of like, when we shoot this. Obviously, we're going to shoot it the way we want to do it. But we will also shoot enough that we can actually edit around it if it doesn't work. Do you know what I mean? There yeah. was always yeah. that contingency in the back of our minds, but um, it worked. Like Kate was incredible. Like her work was absolutely stunning. Like it's 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 really really bad. Like uh, in a good way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. it's just it looks horrible. <laughs> like really it horrible. Does. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why that's why you look. Yeah. It's that's why it's so shocking. It's not. It's not the fact that like, I agree with you, not cutting away is unexpected and it's not the formula that people are used to. And it's not the way they're used to consuming this type of content, but it's just, it's just how it looks as well. You're just like, Oh, you know, it's really disgusting, which is great, which is exactly what the guys wanted. And yeah, everything just, yeah. Yeah. Kate Griffiths can't, can't speak highly enough of her really can't. Yeah. And I think that that's another thing that set it apart was it, we pushed so hard to get that shot to work. Um, and uh, Kate was, you know, well, it wouldn't have happened without her. But also the skills that Richard Adam brought as filmmakers yeah. made it look, and then they've got a lot of experience with uh, with the music videos they, sh they shot previously, because this was their first film, uh, yeah. first feature. Um, it looks more than the budget it is. I'm not going to say what the budget is. We're not. We're not. We're not. We're not, we're not releasing that. Certainly not now, because I don't want the film to be judged on its budget. But there are films of much higher budget that just don't hit the mark. Like you say, with uh, Broadway and Selbock, um, ninety-nine. I think it is. And, yeah, and and that comes down to the filmmakers. I, I mean, I've known Rich for many, many years, and he has a skill of being able to take something, a piece of technology that does that you know it stays you can do x with it and he will make you do x y z and and you know and yeah. further he's um and that that really shows and i think that the hosts is not is not just the it's not just the crew that came in it's also the skill of the filmmakers you know, rich and adam that they brought to it i think it sets them up i think they themselves help set it apart yeah absolutely absolutely yeah and the performances, you know, like I mean, there are there are scenes that really that really hit me. There's one, it's it's not violent, um, but it's one of the scenes that really gets to me, and it's the um, it's the dialogue between uh, the siblings in the, um, in the attic, and the emotion in that scene arrests me, and it's it's just two faces talking, and I think that actually you and I spoke about this um, when we were talking about something else completely. We talked about the Mandalorian. But um, the difference, and the difference between um, Marvel films and, um, and DC, yeah. and it's that it's that focus on character and story, and some of the most important points in a Marvel film is when it's just two characters talking, and yeah. it's not the spectacle. And again, this happens in hosts when you just got you got Lee Hunter and Nadia Lamine acting their asses off, yeah. and and it, and it grabs you. And there's, it's not spectacle, but it's beautifully shot and wonderfully acted. And I absolutely love that love scene. 
No, I, I agree, man. Like, you know, Nadia and Lee were both absolutely fantastic. Neil and Sam were brilliant. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that, that, that scene that you're talking about, it works because, and when we were talking about the difference between Marvel and DC is, is I, I actually think it comes down to, it, obviously it comes down to storytelling, but it comes down to the, the, and I, I speak to so many independent filmmakers that make this mistake is they come up with a dozen or so cool ideas for scenes and are adamant that this is the structure for their story and everything that comes in between feels contrived because it, it, they're trying to force this story to get to these specific points that they want to get mm. to and it's not flowing naturally. Adam, when he wrote, obviously, the screenplay for Hosts, is very good at letting the story unfold naturally. It feels organic. Like the scene that you're talking about with Nadia and Lee in, in the attic, it works because it doesn't feel that it's forced. Everything yeah. built organically to that point and the fallout afterwards is, is, feels very, very natural, um, especially, for, especially for Lee's character. Um, because obviously he comes, you know, straight out of that, straight into another emotional scene. Um, you know, I, I mean, I really, I mean, we really put that guy through it. You know, everybody was fantastic, <laughs> but Lee had yeah. the Lee had to go from like one extreme to the other, with with and almost you know in the same day, would would <laughs> we bring him onto set. And he'd be like, we'd be like, yeah, yeah, you got, you're doing this, and you, you, you're laughing and you're joking, and he'd go away and come out, and be like, you're destroyed, man. Like, like this is the worst thing that's ever happened to you. And he was going like from up here to down here to back up here again. You know, I remember by the end of the shoot, like I'd, I'd never seen an actor so exhausted. You know, I mean, he hated us by the end of that shoot. I know he didn't <laughs> say it. I know he was there having a drink with us and stuff at the rap party, but. He absolutely hated us by the end of it because he was his head was all, must have been all over the place. But he did it. I, I, I was in I was he, in the green room when he came off one of the scenes, one of the more emotional scenes, and and I tried to speak to him and he just shook his head and went and lay down <laughs> behind the sofa. <laughs> just had to have a few minutes to himself. <laughs> but he gave it his all. I mean, that's not because he, he couldn't handle it. it. Like, he was giving it everything. Yeah, he did. He did. And it's not easy to do. It's not easy for an actor to do that and to, to to keep going for those extremes. You know, when you you sort of look at Lee's performance in the film, it it does it does take you and he takes it to, to places, these very extreme emotional places. Um, and rightly so, because I'm like it, sometimes it's weird, man, because you can sort of read the script. And even when we were sat around in, in those those um, development meetings, when we were discussing the story and, and stuff, and, and we were sort of doing the readings of the first draft, and, and in, we were all sort of talking about ideas of, well, if, if this character develops like this, and this character develops like that. The one character we, that nobody ever really thought about or, or gave much attention to was the character of Eric. And yeah, yeah. it never really felt like he was you know, sort of an integral part of the development of the story. Stuff was just happening to him. And you, so you sort of not dismiss the character, but you sort of think it's, it's kind of a, it's a little bit of a two-dimensional part. He's, he's someone that simply responds to things going on around him. He doesn't really make any decisions and stuff like that. So you kind of dismiss the character a little bit. When you watch it play out on screen, you're like, 
or actually this is quite possibly one of the hardest roles you know you we dismissed it or I certainly did dismissed it as being one of the easier parts to play because the character doesn't really do anything but I thought actually this character has a hell of a lot happen to him like he he's he actually is the only person I think in the film that has to do all of it he has to do all of it he does he does the full range going right up to the fact where he is are we doing spoilers no no we're not 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 yet but you know what i'm saying like like towards the end he has to do everything yeah yeah he has eric at some point in the story is everything you know it's and and so you're like actually what this sort of this sort of character and 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 casting that role not that we didn't think about it or we didn't care but it never felt it wasn't until we were shooting it and i think possibly you know maybe for richard adam as well was was thinking oh actually because i remember some days shooting sort of looking at the schedule and watching how far lee was going with things and then looking at the schedule and and like talking to to richard adam and saying you know Flipping old, like we've got to get him like back in. Do you know what I mean? This afternoon to do something completely different. Like, do you think mm. he's going to be able to do it? And you know, and having to, like you say, having to speak to Lee and Lee getting to the point where he was just coming off a set and he was like, "Don't want to speak to anyone. Just drained, <laughs> just done." You know, yeah, uh, and things like that. But it's it's yeah. It ended up being Eric ended up even though he's not a decision making character, he ended up being a bit of everything and having to be a, do a bit of everything. And um and and Lee did that fantastically well, you know. I think yeah. the likes of Sam and Neil delivered their parts perfectly, and and had like Neil certainly had had loads of of <clears throat> just just uh, this I don't know just this venom behind like what he was doing with this possessed character. And it was, it came across so strong on screen with the way he was talking, like the way he comes across a bit unhinged, you know, like almost, you know, it's not just a straight up, oh, I'm a, I'm an evil demon. Do you know what I mean? Like he bought almost, almost like a serial killer vibe to what he was doing, you know? And then mm-hmm. Samantha took her, took her role and she became like this, oh, just sinister, like completely sinister, almost like witch type character. Do you know what I mean? That was, that was just, it was scary because it's the, you know, it's like the two little girls in the shining, you know, it it became immensely scary when Sam was doing, you know, her, certainly some of her, her monologues and, and stuff like that in the film as, as the possessed Lucy, you know, it's, it's the, the, the two little girls in the shining, you know, it's this sort of innocence, completely unthreatening visual combined with this sinister voice and you know dialogue and things like that and it's so uncomfortable that's what makes it scary you know Um, we lucked out with sam didn't we because she wasn't the first casting for the role no Uh, and we we got let down like two days before um and sam had been considered but she, she, I don't think she'd even received the script at that stage. I'm not sure whether she had. And we got in touch. She agrees. And then on her first day, luckily, she did so well because her first day shooting, it was just her and Neil. And I don't know how many pages of dialogue, but we're talking like a, an entire night shoot. And she had two days and delivered it 
word perfect off book like it was um we, we were really lucky to to have it yeah we did and was... the performance you gave like you said that like, creative performance flawless like i couldn't have asked for better it was man like i you know i'm not going to name and shame people but <clears throat> yeah the frustration with trying to cast that part um and it, it, do you know what you get this in in the independent film industry you know like everybody wants everybody wants you know to be everybody wants to be earning a living everybody wants to be you know getting getting what they feel they deserve and stuff like that but you know when your resources are limited i think you, you do struggle sometimes with we you know we had it all mapped out we had our lucy cast and stuff like that mm. and then and then that all fell apart and then it was a rush to go out and go all right okay well we we let's go back to some of the other um self tapes you know some of the other auditionees that we had none of them are now available because like you say it was two days before we were starting to shoot mm. they're now off doing other things so you're like oh god and then yes neil mentioned sam um so she came along like center the script she came along and just absolutely smashed it and now it's one of those one of those times where you, you can't imagine anybody else doing that part now i, I can't i can't yeah. you yeah. know the 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 actress we had cast originally i can't picture what that version of host would have been anymore because sam just owned yeah. it yeah completely owned it well hers and neil's performances are pivotal to the film so yeah. yeah it would have been a very different very different film without him yeah. what was for you the most difficult part of making host <laughs> budget <and> time <laughs> <laughs> budget and time man <laughs> like all of these things um no the difficult part is is trying to do a lot with with very little and that's that's what we've becoming known for that's what i've always done you know in the the seven feature films that i've made now you know it's going out with you know it's it's going out with nothing and trying to make something um and then hopefully taking it one step further and making something good you know that people actually are interested in and it doesn't i mean you know i find that low budget filmmaking or micro budget filmmaking as i should say um doesn't have to affect your story. Sometimes it does. Sometimes there are things you want to do and things you want to show that you just can't um, because of the, the the restrictions that you have. Um, and trying to get something that makes sense, which hosts does, it makes sense from start to finish. And like I said earlier, none of it feels forced or contrived or or, you know, inexplicable in the sense that characters are making decisions that are just you know no one could understand you know the story does work and trying to keep that on track when you're moving so quickly is uh, is tough is really tough um adam and, and and rich are are brilliant at sticking to their guns like they knew exactly what they wanted to do when we got to when we got to to production and that made it easier for everybody else around because they had thought about it so much they had planned it out so much how they were going to do it what they were going to do <clears throat> but most importantly 
what the content of each shot needed to be in order to tell that story and keeping that on track. Obviously, I mean, we know we had um, <clears throat> Ben Simons, our composer, you know, sort of as the, as the script supervisor, which is, despite what some people in the independent film industry think is, is actually quite a big role to have on a film set. You know, it's not yeah, something, usually important. Yeah. It's not yeah. something you usually just get your mate to come and do. And when you do, you know, that's when things can start, sort of fall apart. Luckily for us, Ben Simons is a, you know, highly intelligent man who yeah. was able to pick this up very, very quickly. Um, he's also like, he's, he's a, he's a fantastic writer. Do you know this about Ben? Have you ever sat no. down and just had a conversation with him about, stories or writing a story like he's an amazing he's an amazing storyteller like he right. is absolutely incredible and um I, I knew he had a great creative mind because um when he was a Mal um uh, no maleficent um uh, malefice yeah he wrote all the songs and they, that makes sense know. to me yeah 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 and and they were very successful so yeah, yeah I, i'm aware of him as a great creative mind i didn't know he was a storyteller it, yeah, like it, it, anything. I think he's, he's he's writing stuff at the moment, or he's um, writing a book or something at the moment. But I'll let him tell you more about that. But yeah, um, luckily we had Ben Simons. But again, he's not a a an experienced script supervisor. You know, he's he's a musician, he's a composer, and a very good one. Mm. Um, so Ben was sort of doing his best, and and as first AD, I was running around trying to trying to make sure that just trust in the schedule trust the the breakdowns the script breakdowns that, that i've done that as long as we get all of these pieces it will go back together in the right order do you know what i mean and you just have to trust that and sometimes that that that's hard because you know you you plan everything out as best you can before you go and shoot and then the problems start as soon as you day one of shooting the problems start you start running out of time we run out of materials we realize that something doesn't work on camera and we have to try and think our way around it and it's hard sometimes to just try and make sure that that when you're solving the problems people aren't going off on a tangent do you know what i mean and coming away from the original plan and making sure that what you're getting whatever solution to the problem you've created that it fits it's a piece that fits the jigsaw puzzle do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's the yeah, hardest yeah. part. And it's great to be able to have, like I've been and worked on bigger productions where you have more money and more time and you have contingency. So every film goes through this, they get into the edit, they string everything together and they go, okay, is this story working? No, it's not. We've gone off on a tangent here. There's a whole chunk of this that needs explaining. And then they go back into, into production and they do their reshoots, get all the bits they need, come back to the editing room. And we obviously didn't have, we don't always have that luxury in, in small budget, low budget filmmaking. Um, so you just have to put faith in what you're doing the first time round, you know? And um, if you're lucky, like we were on hosts, you get one or two days where you can you can pick stuff up and 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 things like that. But that's the hardest part for me, man, was time, mm. just the time. You know, I mean, we did some crazy long days, crazy well, that's nights, I should say, some yeah. crazy long yeah. nights on, on that shoot, um, trying to get everything in. You know, first night was the hardest. I know, I know it was the... The easiest night in terms of what we were doing because it was you know all straightforward stuff it was all dialogue it was you know all drama um 
and all of that. But yeah, the first night was the hardest night. The hardest night. Right. I think for me, the hardest thing was trying to just make sure we had all the resources we needed as things are changing and we're doing nights. Um, and there were things like... Like driving out to get a shirt at the last minute. This, that, that's exactly <laughs> it. And you, and like you end up in a, your own weird time zone when you're on a night shoot where d- dawn and dusk mean something different and you are completely out of sync with the outside world. And we had an issue with the shirt strobing, I think it was, on, um, yeah. on screen. Um, and and we hadn't there hadn't been a clothing test. Um, that, that, so there, there were issues with, with wardrobe. And we just ran out and we, I think we managed to catch the store, I think half an hour before it was closing. And I thought it was early in the day. Yeah. It was early in our day. But it was the end of the day for the rest of the world, and so little things like that, and you know things go wrong in the middle of the night, and there's no one, nowhere is open at three a.m. that you can go and pick up whatever it is that we needed. So keeping the wheels on the machine, yeah, yeah, because you're you're doing first AD, um, so I was sort of produced, but also doing um, production management and trying to trying to make sure that everybody had everything they needed to do their job, yeah, unlimited resource and limited availability. You're <laughs> it was, almost, uh, you're yeah. almost- I, do you know what I, 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 I made an exception for hosts. I said three films ago that I would never produce and first AD together, right. and th- and this and hosts. I, I I you did a lot more of the the production work than I did because of because of the the other job role that I had. Mm. But it's hard because I remember that second night. And um, and where we were filming the dinner table scene, all of the dinner table stuff, and it was mad. It was we had uh, twenty one pages to get through, with um, <clears throat> with like other things that we had to do. Um, like I don't want to spoil it, but with with other special effects that we had to do, and there were things that we needed to create, and there was a little bit of green screen work, and there was all kinds of elements coming into that second night. And it was the only night when all seven cast members are on set at the same time. So it was like, it was an absolute nightmare, even planning it out. uh, Cause I remember saying to, I remember saying to Adam and Rich, like this, this, this stuff, there is a lot going on. Do you want to break it up? And they're like, no, we we want to shoot the whole thing. And I'm glad that, that we did do that. And I was always the, that that voice of the you know just making sure just testing people's you know um just testing the way people are thinking are you sure have you made make sure you think this all the way through and your confidence has to be higher that we can get this done if you want to do it like this and um that second night it's like why everything was ready to go and we were sat there and i was like where we were where we were in rich's living room shooting this stuff and we had it all set up crammed full of people we're literally all crouching down like where the cameras were all positioned ready to go before somebody said nadia's dress is that you can see the more on nadia's dress which is like yeah. the that that horrible banding effect that you get um on camera sometimes when you have like a repeating pattern on something and it was like oh god that looks awful there's like right okay right stop 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 what we're doing let's go and solve this problem. And we were so focused, like Sean had it all zoomed in on his monitor and we're looking at Nadia's dress 
and we're looking at it because obviously I was doing some of the post-production work as well. And I've got some experience with that. So me and Rich and, and Sean, we're, we're looking at it. We're like, can we fix this in post? Not really. Like it's, it, and even if we do, like this is a lot of work that we don't really have the time and the money to do. Um, and like the, the, it would be simpler to just take a minute now and, and fix the dress and change the dress. So that's what we did. And that was about an hour if I remember rightly. So we're an hour behind. Our most hectic, complicated night, we're an hour behind before we've even turned over. And then I lost my shit <laughs> when we got back, turned everything back on, got all of the cars back in and sat down, zoomed the monitor back out and realized Frank's shirt was doing exactly the same thing. And it's like, <laughs> oh my God, I can't <laughs> believe this. We were lucky when it was like, when it was Nadia, we were like, okay, we've actually got another dress. And that, that was a whole other story as to why. No, uh, no, we didn't. I, I, um, so that Did I had to, do have two to go trips. and get that. Yeah. So, cause it happened. And then there was something annoying about whether we could change it. And I said, bullshit. We've got continuously, but if I can buy an address. So an jumped in the car with Nadia oh, and um, went to the shops. Just, yes. Yeah, just like, we're going now. We're, we're fucking, we're going. So within an hour got, got to the shop found the right dress bought three versions of it because we yeah. had to have uh, a b and c got back and then frank's shirt was in, so it was straight back to the same store um mm. i think nick tuck drove me the second time and it was yeah um we were definitely at the speed limit <laughs> with yeah. there and back um regardless of corners <laughs> and just yeah and it was <laughs> both times we just had to get it done and that's i felt like that was a problem that shouldn't have happened i'm so not going to get into that too much, it shouldn't but. have happened but the 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 bottom line is it, it shouldn't have happened. And there was, it's, it, it would be, the reason I say about doing the producing and the first AD thing is that as a first AD, you, you kind of, <laughs> you kind of stood on set and you're like, right, you, this, we need to fix this now. We're losing time, et cetera, et cetera. Whose responsibility is this? Whereas the producers, which is also you. So you're like, shit, <laughs> like, I'm the one that's got to run around and fix this now. And you yeah. find that you, you sort of end up being like, and you sort of lose a bit of that efficiency of, you know, the, the, the calls going through the radio and things happening. It just ends up being one or two people running around, jumping in cars, flying off and, and doing other things and trying to fix those problems. And I've done it before. Like host was actually was, was, was pretty good. Cause, cause obviously you were there as well. Um, and we had like a, 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 you know, we had Nick and we had Eamon who were great, um yep, production yep. runners and stuff but yeah you 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 do and i remember that first that second night was just that was awful man like we lost two and a half hours before we even started shooting mm, and mm. yeah it's the worst thing to happen as well when you've got all of the cast there they're now waiting around and you're trying to like I love I, I love our cast from hosts and there are so many actors that I have as friends but I don't know why you get onto film sometimes and some actors they're hard not hard to manage but people you get you find yourself getting frustrated especially as a first AD when people are just wandering off and you're like I need you to wait there I need you to stay there and people are like oh, I just need to go off and do that. I just need to go off and do this and trying to organize you know, what, what is sort of seven to 10 people whilst things are going wrong, you, you find, you start stressing about losing every minute. So you think this problem's being solved. The second that shirt is in, Frank sits down, we turn the cameras on, we go. 
And every time you solve a problem, you're then spending another 10 minutes trying to get everybody back onto set. And like, it's more time and more time and more time. And that's the hardest thing sometimes is, is trying to make sure that you're being, you're as efficient as you can possibly be. Because again, I, I, you know, I keep bringing it up. You don't always have the luxury of, of money and time to, 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 to just throw away like that, you know, time is the most valuable thing. Does really have to get really creative. Um, and yeah. another technically difficult, I loved it, was the uh, was the night shoot. Um, I honestly think that was my favorite. Um, the outside stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. But it was it was tough. I mean, it was like, I mean, it, it's pretty mild now compared to what it was. It was minus conditions. We had equipment freezing to the freezing, floor. Yeah. Um, I remember we, I, I had to go and get towels to give to the um, to give to the Sam and Wayne and, and Sean to drape over their equipment because it was stuck because ice was forming on the uh, on the yeah. gear um we lost the generator that night to the cold there was a smoke yeah. machine one of the cameras went down a gimbal went down um but it's it's when things like that happen and you go well we're in the woods this is these are the resources <laughs> we got you you have to solve it you've got no choice and i yeah. i love that i love that and i think that's what i like about independent filmmaking is it's it's on you and yeah. you've got to think quick yeah. and think creative and and, yeah. and your and, and your solution has to be excellent there's no yeah. half halfway yeah yeah it does and it again it, yeah the cold the cold and the wet again sometimes this is where this is where you you yeah you're really tested as a filmmaker when you've got you know adverse weather conditions that you're trying to combat it's like cold conditions for some reason more than half of the films that i've done have been outside in the woods in the cold and have been shooting at night, which may just just makes things harder because you know you've you've got all of these problems with you know lighting and 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 I don't just mean film light, and I mean like work lights and stuff like that, mm, trying to get yeah. people in and out of these really dark bits of woodland um, safely and and things like that. And you've more often than not have got you know actors running around not wearing appropriate clothing for for the temperatures and stuff. So you've you're worried about people getting ill. And things like that like one thing we had on that night last year in the woods was um <laughs> again running out of time problem with outside like we had to fix this if you remember we had to fix the light the daylight problem a few times inside the house which is doable because you just black out the windows yeah it takes time yeah. but you can do it and trying to and we blacked out that patio door at ben's so we were able yeah. to shoot longer and things like that um, and start earlier when you're outside in the woods as soon as that sun comes up you're, you're done you can't block that out and um so you're trying to make things as quick as possible and uh yeah and and sometimes you you're not conceding but you know i remember one time there was one bit where i was like we need to try and move things a little bit quicker because we are running out of time and we don't have any more we can't come back like this is this is the last day now and um yeah, so I, was, I remember saying to Kate, I was like, I need you to get the blood on um, on one of the, the, the costumes. And she was like, yeah, but if I do that, it's going to freeze. And I was like, what do you mean? She said, well, I've been testing this on some bits and stuff was freezing so much. She was spraying the blood on. And if it was sat not being worn by someone for two for for long enough it was just going like rock hard oh right i didn't like know that t-shirts and stuff i remember saying was like well, we'll just put it let's just put it on sam then like cover it in blood and put it on sam and she was like yeah but then sam's gonna be walking around all wet and cold 
And I was like, oh, do you know what? Like, and it's just the frustration of like, you're right. And there's nothing we can do about that. But like, this wasn't factored into the plan. Like we're losing time now because of this stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like just, yeah. just someone's gonna have to make a sacrifice here. <laughs> like someone, like something's gonna have to happen to make this work, you know? But yeah, you do. And it's frustrating. You do get tested and, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's hard, man. And it's hard as, as producers, you know, even as an AD to try and, cause everybody's got their own problems. Every department's got their own problems. And the position that we do means that you have to try and be on top of everybody's problems. You know, like Kate will be saying to me, I can't do this for my job because of these reasons. And then you walk out, you walk over to, to where Sean is doing. And he's like, well, we need to do this now. And you're like, well, we can't because Kate can't do it. And you're trying to juggle, you're trying to juggle everyone's issues, man. Trying to juggle everybody's issues, keep everybody happy, but most importantly, keeping the whole production moving forward. And that's not always an easy thing to do. It's not always. It's not. Easy. And you find yourself saying no a lot yeah. as a producer, Hell which which I don't like. I, my approach is I would try to say yes. Let's find a way that we can say yes rather than no being your first yeah. um, sort of reaction. Um, but you're right. It's not always possible. And at some point, you do have to say no. Yeah. that it can't be that way for you um and that's that's not comfortable no it's not it's hard and and like most people most industry professionals get it some people don't you know you, you we have you know you can often you can often end up arguing with people and and falling out with people and stuff like that um it happens in any in any job i suppose in any industry but you know, it, it can become very, especially when people are tired, you're outside, it's cold, you know, and, and, you know, tempers afraid anyway, you, you do, you get, we get into, we, you know, you get to some nights where you're just like, you are just saying no to people. And then people are looking like they're going to give up because they can't see a way out of their problem or, you know, and things like that. And the great thing about hosts was, is that I think the crew was, not not just not just the right people, but I think it was small enough that everybody accepted the fact that they had to help each other. Like they they yeah. had to be yeah. some sort of camaraderie. Otherwise, we were never going to get it done. I think when you go and work on the bigger productions and the departments are really like distanced from each other, then it becomes an issue because nobody's really communicating. Everybody communicates with the production team and with the ADs, but departments are very rarely communicating with each other. Mm. So it becomes your job becomes harder. You would like to think that you'd be in a bigger production team then and a bigger team of ADs and runners, but your job does become harder when when departments aren't communicating properly with each other. You know, I mean, mm. productions where it seems bizarre to me that that you know the camera department would simply just pack up their truck and drive off while the lighting guys are still de-rigging like that they wouldn't stay as one team and and help each other do you know what i mean like sometimes that feels the very first time i went and worked on a bigger like bigger budgeted film and i saw how vastly more experienced industry people were behaving professionally i'm not saying it's the wrong way to do things you know i'd come from you know, sort of guerrilla student filmmaking, if you like, and and where everybody pitches in, you know, we start together and we finish together. Mm. And on the on the bigger productions, that, that doesn't always happen. And it always seems strange to me because I've always been someone that 
you know, we'll just jump in and I'll, start, you know, I'll stay to the end um, and things like that. But hosts was set up so that whether like it or not, the crew didn't have a choice. <laughs> like everybody yeah, yeah. started together, For- together and helped each other. Yeah, fortunately, no one was precious. And that, oh. and, and we were lucky with that, that we had a very, um, a team that was focused on teamwork, yeah. um, not their individual contribution. What, what wouldn't you do again? I don't think there's any of it I wouldn't do again. I think if I if I had to do it again with the same setup, the same script, the same resources, if I had to do it again, I would probably want to encourage people to I'd probably want to encourage people to spread this out over a f- more days like i probably wouldn't try and fit it all into the number of days that we had mm. to that shoot was a budget first. issue wasn't it? it was it was down to what we could afford it is it is a budget issue i think that uh, to be honest man like like anything <laughs> i wouldn't make a film for that amount of money again <laughs> like <laughs> on that budget no. again that's what i wouldn't do again <laughs> I think that's that's what I'm really saying because I'm trying to think of an answer to that question and I don't really have one because it is what it is and it and it and we did exactly what we needed to do and we got it done and we made a good film, you know. The, the only thing I would change is I would have had the scene where the carpet in the corridor, and not just that, there's an explosion of blood. I can say <laughs> without being a, without spoiling anything, and I would have put that at the end of when we were using that corridor for the shots, because we had that. <laughs> and then I, I, did, I, I didn't sleep that day, our night, because I knew that there was a whole day shooting, a whole yeah. night shooting in that corridor. So I was toweling down so that the rest oh. of the team could get sleep. And I was there, I, I don't know what time I turned up, but I was rubbing <laughs> that down and painting the ceiling three times because the blood was still seeping through um oh, yeah that's that's the only thing i would have changed because <laughs> that was that was a nightmare there was a lot of blood in that house there was a lot of blood in that house but again yeah. like those those things that come it, it came down to you know despite the best efforts to get things in the right order so that stuff like that didn't happen you know it came down to actors availability and we had to do this stuff on these particular days because we needed these particular actors there. And, mm-hmm. and it is so frustrating, man. And again, it comes, it, again, it comes down to, you know, sort of someone's got to make a sacrifice here. Like someone's, something's got to happen to, to make this happen. And that someone was you, unfortunately, had to sacrifice a night <laughs> watching blood off the walls like, <laughs> to, to make that happen, man. And, yeah, I I agree. If it with more with more time and more resources, obviously there are things that we would have loved to have restructured, done differently, spent more time on. But I think that's that's the same for any any project. Like you can always look back at it and say, oh, I wish I'd done this differently. I wish I'd done that differently. But with what we had, I think everybody did did the best job they could do. I don't think yeah. anybody could have done any better. 
I really don't. What would you do again? Well, well, let me rephrase that. What was it about host that doesn't normally happen that you would definitely take onto your next production? I think finding finding a crew of people that are familiar with each other massively helped. Everybody mm -hmm. knew somebody on that set. Nobody came in that wasn't recommended. And mm -hmm. by that, I mean, nobody came in that didn't know anybody. Everybody mm -hmm. knew someone and that helped right from the beginning because it was a very tight knit cast and crew. And I think I'm, I'm pretty sure yeah, every, every single person came because they knew someone or had worked with somebody before. And that helped. There, was a, there wasn't like 15, 16 individual people. Jason is the only person who hadn't worked with anyone before. Luckily, such a nice, friendly guy that it took him less than five minutes to yeah. sort of ingratiate himself into the group and like, like he was one of us. And, and, um, well, I'd, I'd met him prior, actually. Oh, you did. Oh, you did, didn't you? Because you met him at his cafe. No, we just met in um, Starbucks. Um, but in prior, Starbucks. Uh, just a chat about what he could do because this was his first feature. Um, oh, yeah, he's yeah. done catering for years, but um, yeah, this is his first feature. Just to go over that. So, yeah, yeah that's, that's so he didn't arrive in set cold. It, I think. Yeah, but everyone, everyone was was friends with someone, and that meant that mm. we didn't have sort of you know 15, 16 individuals. We had two or three groups of friends that just needed to get to know each other. And it all happened very quickly. And I think that's really important, man, because the, the, the film wouldn't have worked without having the casting crew so close, you know, like it wouldn't have worked mm -hmm. at all. It's certainly not doing the hours that we were doing, man. Like it would have broken down. There would have been fights. There would have been arguments. There would have been people storming off. You know, there would have been all kinds of problems for us to solve as a production team. Um, uh, you know, it, it would have been an absolute nightmare and we wouldn't have gotten, we wouldn't have finished. We wouldn't have finished the film, simple as that. We would not have finished. So I definitely that again, like definitely working with, you know, people that that you get on with. Um, I'm basically just going to take the host crew onto the next film. <laughs> just pick it up and move it on to the next one. Um, For me, it was the, um, it was the importance of having a good caterer when you're doing night shoots. I mean, catering is important anyway because you know if, if you're not fed well uh, i'm a firm believer in this like an army marches on the stomach um but having jason he said ingratiated himself very very quickly but not only that he was so supportive and yeah. flexible and great food any time of the day and you just needed to pop out clear your head but i'll chat with jason and there was always something to, to eat and yeah he, he was it was fantastic and i think that having excellent food yeah throughout the shoot meant that nobody was grumpy because they were hungry and i tell you what yeah. talking about horror films i've heard some horror stories frank was telling me i won't i won't talk about the production but frank was telling me one recent production he was on and they'd been shooting all day and they were going into the woods and frank said are we um are we not gonna have any food and so it was like it was sort of like not considered. So they sent a runner to go and get some food, some sandwiches, and he returned with a loaf of unsliced bread. No, sorry, a loaf of sliced bread and a big chunk of ham. 
<laughs> right, and a plastic knife to cut that ham with, and that was the sandwiches, and that that, <laughs> and that's not uncommon, unfortunately. And I and it, it baffles me why that's like catering isn't considered such an important thing because it is so important. It is massively, man. Like, it's one of those things that you just I've never cut it out of a budget or or cut you know like just thought well we can drop that and cater it ourselves you know like it no you can't you can't cater not a shoot like that if you're if you're sort of you know hopping around um you know filming sort of guerrilla filmmaking um you just you're doing one day and then a couple of weeks later you're doing another day you can probably cater it yourself when you're doing two mm -hmm. weeks two and a half weeks you know straight you've got to get a caterer at hundred yeah. percent. You've got yeah. to get a caterer. And it's, it, it baffles me that people don't, when you've got people like Jason out there who can take a very small budget and just work from the, the you know, the, the equipment he's got in the back of his van. And he had that stuff laid out every day. We were having like shepherd's pies, you know, bolognese curries. He had bread rolls, soups, all kinds of stuff going on. And he always had that little table set up, didn't he? Where he had all the different like that like Red Bulls and Cokes and water bottles. And he had a basket full of like, you know, Twixes and penguins and all that stuff, man. It was always yeah. there. Yeah. Like whenever you walked over there, it was, there was always something you could just pick up and, and, and go. Always. Absolutely. Just a legend. Absolute legend. Jason Twigger. Definitely bringing him on my next film, man. Definitely. Yeah. 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 And it was lucky. It was lucky referral because i'd um i'd gone to a meeting to try and find a caterer and he wasn't there but somebody who he'd catered their wedding said <laughs> i think i know the right guy for you you wanted to speak to jason twigger of inner circle um and i'm so glad that happened yeah massively massively he loved it as well like he's such a big yeah. such a big film fan you know he's a proper he's a proper geek like us and he was yeah. he was so in, he absolutely loved it he just loved being on like around the set and stuff and i, I actually feel bad one thing i do you know what one thing i would do differently is i would i would have jason on set a little bit more as opposed to just standing in his in his tent the whole time you know and because i do I, I feel a little bit bad because he loved it but i was mm -hmm. like he didn't really get to see that much. Do you know what I mean? Like next time I'll definitely say to him, like, you, you know, you should come and see a little bit more of the production actually being shot because I know he absolutely loves it and he's fascinated by it. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, that's one thing I would do differently. But yeah, no, I loved it. I loved the whole experience of hosts and yeah. And, and all everything that it's done since, since it, since we got it finished, man, like, you know, the UK release is a big, big step. You know, it's always amazing when you something you've worked on is coming out, you know, where you can watch it at home, you know, like turn on Sky and just and watch a film that that's got your name on it is is amazing. Yeah, uh, yeah. absolutely amazing. And just, yeah, well done to everybody involved, all of our cast, to Neil and Sam and Lee, Nadia, Buddy, Jennifer, Frank and Sandra, just incredible people. Um, yeah, and our crew, man like especially my production crew like nick and Eamon, just quality absolute quality from start to finish sean as well do you know what that was that was one of the big unknowns was was bringing sean on board and i will mm. definitely do that again because he smashed it like sean hodson was coming from years and i and years and years because he's quite a bit older than us isn't he and he's gonna love me for saying yeah that. like deceptively so like then we were all shocked at how he's like, he's like actually yeah like, he's like like nearly 50 and you're like what 
unbelievable. <laughs> and um, but I, I'm not sure if he's nearly 50. Are you 50, no. Sean? Might no, but we're going to say that he is. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but he was coming from years and years of just of music videos and, and very specific music videos as well. It's just pure metal stuff that he does, you know. And um, this sort of self-shooting music video guy coming onto a set for the first time. And it took him a couple of days to get into the stop-start process where it's not just him on his own and he's moving at his own pace, the, the stop-start process of it all. But once he got into it, like he absolutely nailed it. And I love, I love things like that. I love finding people, you know, that don't necessarily have the experience, but have a talent, have a skill and mm -hmm. being able to find a place for them to use that skill. And that's what we found with Sean was, was somebody that had a, had a crazy talent for, for cinematography and, and for lighting and, and, and knowing the technology, knowing the equipment and things mm -hmm. like that. And he was on his own, man. Like he was, he was the, the cam op, the gaffer, you know, all rolled into one and smashed it like the film looks incredible what Richard and Sean yeah. did visually is just amazing you know yeah. I thought Adam really came into his own with with working with the cast and directing and having such a strong sense of story and managing mm -hmm. to keep that that's where a lot of certainly first-time directors but where a lot of filmmakers fall down is they they get into this creative process when they're shooting and like I was saying earlier it's very easy to Oh, uh, I'm sorry, Craig. It looks like we've lost your audio. Ah, I think we got you back. Am I back? Yeah, yeah, no, we got you. Yay! But yeah, you can literally, literally lose the plot, you know, and Adam mm. didn't, mm. at no point did Adam do that. He knew exactly what needed to happen, what was coming before, what was coming afterwards, and how it was all going to gel together. Absolutely fantastic. Kate incredible just incredible work can't really talk about a work without spoiling the film but when you see it you'll know what i mean when i say it's mm -hmm. just just horrific stuff horrific stuff um yeah and wayne poor old wayne <laughs> probably the, i think we're the only person on that set that's older than sean uh, just yeah we broke him <laughs> not older same age are they the same age yeah that's oh, really that. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Yeah, Wayne's definitely had a harder life then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, Wayne again did an absolutely amazing job. An amazing job. The audio is brilliant. And yeah, all our guys in post-production, you know, Ben Simons, yeah. score. Yeah. It's the score might actually be like my favorite thing of 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 all of it, out of everything. Out of I love it, all of it loved the story i loved all of the art design that the guys did and and what they turned the house into loved everything loved the performances and the actors but i think ben simon's work is is possibly my favorite bit the, mm. the score is is my favorite bit of, of all of it yeah it's it's outstanding and it's it stands head and shoulders above the score of other low budget films um, yeah it does yeah. yes it does so like we've got our view from the inside um of hosts and i hope that you know we've given some good insight to new filmmakers um who are 
who are looking to, to do their own production as soon as lockdown's over. But for the viewers who may be listening, like why, why would they, why should they go and see hosts? What would you say to them? Well, to, to the, to, to the audience, I would say this is definitely an exploration of true, what I consider to be true horror. And if you're into certainly if you're into violence and gore this is definitely a film for you we won mm. an award for that yeah uh, total film goriest uh, death yeah Most, yeah, yeah, death. yeah so that says it all if that's if that's what floats your boat this is the film for you the goriest according to total film um that's definitely that definitely makes sense makes a stand out um and I think that I think that this film can be enjoyed. You don't need to be a horror fan to enjoy this film. Yeah, yeah. We're not we're not just appealing to horror fans. We're appealing to anybody who's a fan of of drama. Anybody who's a fan of these unfolding mystery thrillers. Um, you know, the, the, anyone who's a fan of those types of stories, you can actually, like you said earlier, put the horror aside. And mm -hmm. the story is all still there. You've got this this family drama um, that does play out like a like a mystery thriller. Like it's it's reveal reveal you know, and and the story unfolds and and adds the layers on as you go through. And I love stories like that. Um, so definitely, definitely, if you're into that, this is a film for you. Um, and I think I think just I think appealing to people to try and look past the labels you know just because your favorite film star isn't on the, the cover of the dvd doesn't mean you're not going to enjoy it mm, and i feel mm. that that the world is changing slightly and people's opinions of of independent films are changing slightly so if you're someone that hasn't quite taken that step yet do it yeah i would absolutely agree with that, that if, if this is your first indie film it's a good place to start um for and it's know, got for all you know this is your favorite film of all time and you've just never seen it yet yeah i think hosts has great characters uh great performances it's believable it's relatable it's of course it's a fantasy but yeah there's, there's sort of a sci-fi-ish element to it and yet you remove that veneer and you've got a very real story about yes. lies about betrayal about abandoned fatherhood, um, about family breakdown um, that anybody and everybody can relate to. There's something in this for everyone and it's going to make everybody who watches it feel uncomfortable on, on some level and maybe in different ways. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Yeah, there's something in it for everyone. There is something in it for everyone. And it's, it's just a good story. It's just, it's just a good story yeah it is well craig thank you so much for giving up your time ah, thank and, you, man. Uh, and it's been a, it's an absolute pleasure to work with you and you mate honestly it's been it's been a blast from start to finish i love it all i love the ups i love the downs you know it's all part of the story man it's all it's all part of it and i've, I've loved it absolutely love this experience i really have I really have and it's been a pleasure to work with you yeah well i'll, I'll catch you again soon but to our listeners Thank you and um, keep an eye out for the next episode.